the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Defense, yet we are called to defend the name and doctrine of God from slander. And we'll take a look at this important truth here in 1 Timothy next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. And again, welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner returns us to 1 Timothy chapter 6 today and the call to defend the name and doctrine of God from slander. Now, obviously, God needs no defense. He's God. He can handle himself. But we are called to be true to the name that we've been given in Christ. And that's what we're focused on today. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. If anyone teaches any other doctrine contrary to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is conceited and knows nothing. Do you believe that or not? If you don't believe it, you are conceited and you know nothing. I didn't say that. God said it. And until we as Christians understand the issue that in America, it is not Democrat versus Republican. It is not even liberal versus conservative. It isn't even pro-life versus pro-abortion. It's not pro-gay versus anti-gay. Things in America will continue to degenerate. President Trump, remember, promised to decriminalize homosexuality. I ask you, is that according to the doctrines of Jesus Christ? Now we praise the Lord that God turns the hearts of the king in whatever way he wants, like a channel of water. So when president, the president or Congress do anything that is in accordance with Jesus' word, then we need to praise him for it. For we don't fall into the trap of thinking that is all we have. We are not conservatives or liberals. We are Christians. And the way we determine whether something is true or false is not by some platform. Whether something is good or bad. For the country is in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and with his doctrine that is in conformity to godliness. You see, that is what sound doctrine does for you. If all sound doctrine does to you is make you arrogant and cocky and say, well, I can argue all those Arminians... I'm more intellectual than this poor old fundamentalist over here. If that's all sound doctrine does for you, it's not doing you any good at all because sound doctrine leads, he says, to godliness. It is the truth according to Jesus who is, after all, the creator of the universe. And what is godliness? Listen carefully. It is a heart devotion to the triune God. That's what godliness is, a heart devotion to the triune God. Is that you? 
The more true doctrine you learn, the more words of Jesus you learn, the more you want to devote yourself to him and separate yourself from non-Christian thought. Is that you? And the more you want to be dedicated and consistent in living for him in your everyday life, So Paul is telling these people, when it comes to social status and social relationships, make sure you advocate what is being taught in Holy Scripture. The sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The doctrine that brings you into greater conformity to and devotion to living for God. Because apart from the light of the world, who is Jesus, and the lamp under our feet, which is the Word of God, and, and then we try to walk through this life and think through this life. We are just arrogant and we understand nothing. Understand nothing is a pretty strong phrase. Don't you think? I mean, I've got two or three PhDs, but I don't know anything. That's right. Because in Christ is deposited all, not some, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I had a friend who said to me, if we could just get back to the way public schools were when I was a kid in the 50s and get rid of all this radical stuff in the schools, you know, death, education, drugs, perversions, transgenderism, we'll be okay. But you see, the problem is, The worst things about public schools were already there in the early part of the 20th century. The worst things. Even when preachers could preach and have prayers over the intercom and even have devotionals and carry a Bible under their arm and have a Bible club in those days. Even though you had prayers in public schools, the worst things about public schools have always been there. And that is the commitment to the thought that you can get a good good education in life without Christ or the Bible. That's as bad as it gets, my friends. All of these other things are just outgrowths and symptoms of the worst problem of all. You know, all you need in public schools... And the, as, uh, all you need in pu- is public schools and the World Book Encyclopedia. And you can learn all you need for life. If all you have is the World Book Encyclopedia and Google and public schools, you know nothing. You cannot understand life without God in whom is deposited all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul says in verse 4, Such a person who thinks he can get an education without Christ is conceited and he understands nothing. And he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, constant friction between men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of grace. That if all you have is your own mind and your own understanding and your own preferences, then you are going to be caught up in the constant controversies that you are going to think are so radical and so important that it is just going to be worthless and distracting. In the Jewish Talmud, there's a particular passage 
that this applies to. And Paul may have even been thinking about this. The question was, what can you do on the Sabbath? And the specific question was, is it proper on the Sabbath to spit out the pit of a date? Obviously, that must have been a big issue. And, and there were actually a variety of opinions. And please understand, I'm not making this up. This is all there. One opinion was, no, you may not spit out the pit of a date unless you spit it under your bed. Another one said, no, you may not spit out the pit of a date at all. Another one was, if you spit out the pit of a date, it has to be done outside of your house. Come on, who cares? These are morbid, meaningless questions and semantics that have absolutely no relevance to life. And that's what happens when someone seeks to work out a worldview and an ethical system without basing it on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He gets in never-ending disputes about small things that mean absolutely nothing. And their basic problem in verse 5, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and, of deprived, and deprived of the truth. So now, notice what Paul says about all these PhDs who are not Christians. They are conceited. They understand nothing. They have a depraved mind and are deprived of the truth. But other than that, they're pretty good guys. I'm telling you, by this, don't let PhDs intimidate you. <coughs> don't let these people who are always quoted on television as being experts intimidate you. Can we say Dr. Fauci? Without Christ, they are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. But here's their big problem. Constant friction between men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. That's their biggest problem. Their worst problem is that they think it is good to have some religion because materially you can be better off with it than without it. So if I can flourish with a minimum amount of more, more t morality, if I can flourish with just some amount of religion financially and material in this world, have some kind of ease and affluence and freedom, to these people, that is the purpose of religion. By the way, the word godliness can equally be translated religion. So as I have said before, the idea that a lot of Americans have today that is quite juvenile as well as very wrong is that Christianity is not a religion. It is merely a relationship. I don't think they've really thought through that. Religion here is the same word that means a devotion of the heart to God. Religion is that devotion that controls the heart. It is either an idolatrous religion or it is the true religion. But Christianity is a religion that dominates the heart. It's not merely a relationship. Relationship. Well, Hitler is in a relationship with God right now. He is in a relationship with God as his tormentor. So it all depends on what kind of relationship you're talking about. So Paul is saying to these people, here's your big problem. Religion and doctrine. 
And all such things are simply a means for you to an end, a financial, material end. And being religious, if professing Christianity means you're going to make more sales, have a better house, a, a better car, and a bigger bank account, and that's all that matters, you are in for a very big disappointment. But you say, Gary, we, we already know better than that. We do. When President Trump gave his last State of the Union address, which some people said was one of the greatest they have ever heard, and I will agree it was very well written, and he did say some good things. But at the heart of what he said is that the great American comeback is material. We have more jobs, we have higher wages, we have a better economic lifestyle, and that's great. But we will all go to hell just like that. He didn't say that last part. I did. We need a little religion so that the Tao will be higher. There will be less people unemployed. More blacks and Mexicans will have jobs. We'll be economically better off. That's like wanting religion to benefit and gain from it. For them, religion is an end in itself. So why are we devoted from the heart? It is because God is God whether he keeps us enslaved or not. All things come from him, not from the state. And you want to honor the name and the doctrine of the living God. So if you're in this with the idea that if we stand for Christ, America's going to get richer and we're going to be better off, then Americans won't go to hell. They will go to hell rich. Notice what Paul says in verse 6. But godliness actually is a means of great grace. He said in verse 5, the problem with these people is that they seek to be godly and religious because they hope to, be, to benefit from it. And Paul is saying here, I'm not telling you you're not going to benefit from godliness. I'm not telling you you are not going to benefit from the devotion of your heart to God. Godliness is a means of great gain, both in this life and in the life to come, when it is accompanied with contentment with God. The Greek word for contentment means soul satisfaction. When godliness is accompanied with soul satisfaction in Christ, then it benefits us in this life and the life to come. But without Christ, any attempt at being moral and religious means nothing. Verse 7, for or because we have brought nothing into this world, He's thinking now of Job. So we can't take anything out of it either. Our bank accounts, our riches, our cars, our homes. Have you ever heard of the story of the two maids who worked for a very wealthy man? When the old man died, one maid asked the other, I wonder how much he left behind. And the other maid replied, every red cent. So we came into this life with nothing, and we can't take anything out of it either, except godliness. 
Now, if this describes you, verse 8, if you have food and covering with these, actually see if this describes you, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Would we be content if all we had was just enough food to get by and clothes to just barely keep us warm in the winter and go without all the very fine things that most of us have? Would you be content with that? Would you be content with a lot smaller house, a a smaller, older car, cheaper clothes, a smaller bank account, less social status? Would you be content in this life as long as you had Christ with just enough food to satisfy and a few articles of clothing? If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. You see, as Americas, Americans, we are a long way from that, aren't we? That's why so many people were impressed with the President's State of the Union speech. We're going to get more good things. We'll get him to get him reelected, and we'll get even more good stuff. So can we be content without any of the good stuff as long as we have Christ? Verse 9. But those who want. Now the word want there means covet. Desire intensely. But those who desire intensely to get rich. That is the goal of their life. To have ease and affluence. To keep up with the Joneses. To have the good things. To live the American dream. But those who want to get rich. They fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and harmful desires. Which plunge men into ruin and destruction. You see we don't desire just one thing. The more material things we have. The more we're going to want. The more we get. The more we are going to want. You will never be satisfied. With what you have. Outside of Christ. I have heard of men, and I'm sure you have as well, who have become very successful. They become multimillionaires, making money had been the desire of their heart. I've got the money, I've got the big bank account, I've got the investments, the the huge home. Now I want women. Now I want drugs to stay on that high. You crave riches, but you don't just crave riches. You crave all that goes with it. If that is the God of your life, and nothing will ever satisfy you. The more you have, the more you want. And the less you will be satisfied in Christ. Now, please understand, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Some of those godliest men in the Bible were extremely wealthy. Abraham was so rich he could raise an army of hundreds of his servants to go whip five kings. Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 3. And you'll see it's okay to be rich if it is a blessing of God. And if you know how to handle it. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth. 
and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, son, don't reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father reproves the son in whom he delights. So, there are many times when God blesses faithfulness by material prosperity. And whenever God does bless you with material prosperity, make sure you receive it properly. Make sure that if you become successful and wealthy, it doesn't change the way you live. That you will still be content with whatever food and clothing you have. Make sure that if you are successful, it won't change the devotion of your heart. Because it has happened to too many people. They longed to be rich and live the American dream. And they fell into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful other desires which plunged men into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for because money is the root of all evil. Is that what your Bible says? No, sometimes God gives us money. So it is the love of the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, Paul says. If you love money and what money can buy more than anything in your life, and you're willing to make compromises to get it, and you're willing to negotiate the truth and cut back on your Christian witness, then that is the root from which all kinds of evil springs forth from your life. It's just like you can't have one desire you can't just commit one sin, for it says, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some. Now he's talking to professed Christians, members of the church. He's not talking here to the Roman Senate. And he says, some professed Christians, by longing for what money can buy above everything else, have wandered away from the faith. The faith. The same, the name and the doctrine of Christ, and pierce themselves with many grieves or many pains. But don't think you're above any of that, beloved. Don't think, well, that will never happen to me. It has happened to all kinds of people just like you and me. So allow these words to constantly guard your heart and constantly be a warning to you and pray, Lord. I thank you for what you have given me in this life. I'm content with food and clothing. The more important thing in my life is not freedom, it's not wealth, it's not me. It is the name and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the basis of my life. That is the basis of my thought. Help me, O oh God, to never have my mind turned by material things. So as to cause me to wander away from the faith and pierce myself with many griefs. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, uh, help us to take all these words seriously. Help us to examine our hearts in light of them. And if we find anything in our life, anything in our affections, anything in our desires that we long for more, then we long for a Christ-centered life. Rip those idols from our hearts because we know the heart, as Calvin has said, is an idol factory. 
Turn our hearts to you. We are often prone to wander. Lord, keep our hearts in the way that you have set before us. We pray this not only for the adults in this room, but for the young people who are just beginning to face the seductions and the temptations and depravity of this evil culture. Lord, may they not ever be bought. May they not be convinced that it is possible to be smart and not to believe the gospel of Christ. Show them from their earliest days there is nothing worth anything without Christ. And when they seek anything in life, in the place that he alone should reign, teach them that they are seeking the whirlwind and devastation. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.